Welcome to For What It's Worth. I'm a horrible person. You'd leave stuff laying around? An introduction to an exploration of the furry fandom. No, no, you can't do that because I seriously think of Five Nights at Fred Meyer every time someone says that. Hachi. Hey, Hachi. Yeah, you. Your theory about one person stepping out so another can take their place and keep the listener count at seven? Well, we have a choice here. Yeah, tell them what our choice is. What are the choices? Limbago in Idaho. What? <laughs> I hate to tell you this, but it's wrong. We can't get more than seven listeners to even make that a possibility. Sorry, Hachi. Speaking of listeners, here are two of them right now. There are certain women I just want to bitch slap. <laughs> <laughs> So in summary, people are awful. <laughs> it's it's kind of true. Here are your two fools and listeners to their own show, Rue and Tugs. Hachi. Welcome to For What It's Worth. You were here listening to us on this doing? episode. What are you doing? Uh, I'm trying to be serious. <laughs> you're, all, you're all fucking Ira glassing. <laughs> Welcome to For What It's Worth. If you'd like to donate to your local public radio... <laughs> like who does that? On well, our glass nope. does. We're not on this show. <sighs> if our glass came on the show, that'd be funny though. Well, so the topic today is going to be a serious topic. Yes. Um, it's Tell going to be saying, it. saying the last goodbye. It's the topic is going to be about grieving and loss in the fandom. Before we get to the topic, what have you been up to, Mister Tugs? I am, I've got spring fever really bad. So bad. Are you wanting a vacation? Is that what you're wanting? I do want a vacation, but that's next month. I really just want to go outside naked and enjoy the sun. Well, you can warm. do that with your with your enclosed fence. No, Nobody sees you out there. Did you say my enclosed fence or enclosed fence? Enclosed. Oh, because enclosed can do, fence sounds awful. You can do a rewind and see what I said. <laughs> No, we, we don't have tapes for that. <laughs> My enclosed fence. No, you know what? Uh, it's not quite that warm, but it does mean that the outside mating season where all the animals are outside doing it is coming. That's awesome. Workplay is fun. You know, that was actually the first thing that you actually said to me in meeting me. What? Come over to my house and get naked and stand out in my lawn. Oh, or right. in my outside. And then you said, come over fence. to my house and take a shower with me. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> That's how you know, ladies and gentlemen, if Rue wants to shower with you, you're going to get touched yes. on the shoulder with his head and shoulders. Yes. Do you I, just, I love, I, I don't know what it is. It's just something that I like to do. It's something that's awesome. Wait, wait. Showing somebody else. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, you were losing context. (laughs) I'm just joking with you. Go ahead. I'm also pleased that Nintendo got off their ass a year late and decided to localize Rhythm Heaven. So if you haven't played the one that's coming out, it's really good. I played the import and I loved it. And it's coming. It is coming. Speaking of coming, I also really enjoyed hanging out with Margaret last episode. What about you? Well, um, a lot of things have came up the last couple of weeks. Um, first of all, I took a took my boyfriend out to um, I'd wait stop. celebrate. I read that as scat paint. I just want you to know <laughs> that's what I read it as. Continue. I put Saint Pat, not scat paint. That's <laughs> I took gross. My boyfriend out. <laughs> scat paint. <laughs> 
That's gross. We're not we, gonna. We made cocoa pebbles. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> You're terrible. Oh wait, was it fruity pebbles? <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, I'm gonna like pass that topic now. <laughs> okay. What about your scat paint? So, um, St. Patty's Day just took him out to get corned beef and cabbage. So happy St. Patty's Day to everybody. Um, that that was that's what came up. Oh boy, I'm going a beer? all over the place. Yes, I did. It was amazing. What beer? It was gross. You drank the beer. It was, it was a Guinness. Gross? What? Just kidding. It was a red L. Did you really drink a Guinness? No, I don't drink beer. I drink L. L is a beer. Well, whatever. Learn about beer. No, I'm, I'm <sighs> curious what beer you drink. I'm just surprised you don't know that ale is a kind of beer. That's like saying, no, no, no. I drove a Honda instead of, you know, I drove a car. So tell me more about your Honda experience. I, you know, I just, I just drink cranberry um, reds. That's what I drink. You're gay. I love it. You're so gay. It's so good. You like Cosmos? Yes. You're so gay. I know. All right. I it. like it up the butt. Okay. All right. Oh yeah, you do. <laughs> I like being. Evil. No. Ah. Okay. So, um. Yeah. Something that is really important to talk about is I wanted to do a quick little review about Notopia. Uh, all right. I'm just sitting back. Oh my goodness, Zootopia is the worst movie ever. There you go. You've heard it from me. It's horrible. It is so bad. Um, the acting was just terrible. Hold on. I the... want to give you a time limit. Go. Shut up. Okay, finish your review. It's it's bad. It was a bad movie. The acting was terrible. The... I can't do it with the... the... Can't do that. Okay, <laughs> my headphones are now off, so here we go. So it was it was a terrible movie. Yep, the plot was was bad. Um, the characters were weren't believable. They Time's weren't realistic. Up. So what's your final score? I don't know. My final score? Mm-hmm. My final score is ten out of ten because it was a fucking awesome movie. It was so good. It was amazing. I loved every second of it, and I definitely, definitely recommend you going and seeing it. Mr. Tugs. Yeah. Who doesn't want to go see it? There's actually someone. That's why I gave it a negative review because I wanted to get a reaction, but you totally ruined it. I'll see it on Blu-ray. I was hoping that if I gave a negative review that you would like. Reverse psychology doesn't work with me. Ah, I'm gay. I have woman logic. (sighs) I was hoping. Sorry, women. But it's true. Um, yeah, no, but if you haven't seen Zootopia, I highly recommend you going and seeing it. it. I've seen it twice already, and, um, the story was, was a great story. I can honestly say if you took the characters out, um, you know, and not made them animals, it still would be a good story. So, um, also, um, I went and saw Boy and, Boy and His Beast. Is this a porno? <laughs> Uh, no, 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 no. Do I need to get the review music out again? (laughs) It was a good movie. So if you have a chance to go see it, it it was made by the same people that made Wolf Children. 
I don't know what any of these things are. What? Give me like the two second plot. Okay, so the plot is is that he falls into an anthropomorphic world, and he's a child that um, doesn't have a family, or his family, his mother died or whatever. So he's an orphan. He's an orphan, and um, he's raised by uh, this this bear man type thing that teaches him, basically teaches him kung fu and you know karate and stuff like that. Yeah, it was really cool sounding until you said he taught him kung fu. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Then it was just like, what? He taught him kung fu? Does it like Matrix? Mm, I, kind of. You know, because it sounded really like solemn and intense, you know? And then he taught him kung fu. <laughs> you know? You see? But was it good? No, it was a good movie. I'd okay. highly recommend it. But um, Oh, and I'm also a fool. Tugs oh. wanted me to say that. So there you go. I am a fool. I didn't put that there. Oh. Will you? Okay. Well, no, actually, my, my birthday's coming up. Mr. April Fool's baby is right here. Yeah. What? Nothing. Just reminding everyone that he wants nothing for his birthday. I'm not saying oh, that no, I want... Oh, no, you want free things for your birthday. I'm not saying that I want anything for my birthday. I just want love and cookies and happiness. One day you're going to, like, tur- get your birthday and you're going to turn another year older and suddenly, like, all the breath you've been holding in through the years, you're going to let out and everything's going to explode. Go... <laughs> What, you are you saying people, my age? Yeah, you know how like people will hold their stomach in when they like take a photo? Uh-huh. I've been like, doing it for 10 years to look young. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm going to be like Asian. Back. You know how... Sorry, I know that's so racist, but it's like they look super, super young and then all of a sudden they look really, really old. <laughs> He's only half-eight. It's Rue's Kooky Time. Yay, it's that favorite moment. The moment that we all celebrate. Mr. Leo brought us the cookie, and I'm just looking it up. You didn't look it up? Enjoy the music, everybody. It's so good. Oh, man, I'll read it. All right, so here we go. It says, to reach distant places, you have to take the first step. Where's the rest? That's it. In bed with a cookie? Oh, yes. <laughs> That's like the whole shtick. To reach Where distant places, you, you oh. have to take the first step in bed with a cookie. Are you What are you doing? This is for what it's worth. What are you What are you hosting? Um, I'm hosting for what it is. Apparently, this is the weird <laughs> B-side. <laughs> I'm on The View. What are you talking about? And welcome back, everybody! What are you doing reusing fortunes? I, you know... I, this was what was sent to me. That's what it was. Leo, you need to go back through every episode, make sure we haven't used the fortune, and then send (laughs) us the fortune. That's how it works. So everybody, he's green. He's mean. He's not mean. He's like Yoshi. He likes Yoshi. He also likes shinies. Lyric! (laughs) Wow. That was the worst introduction ever! 
Sorry. I, I think my Yoshi collection was offended. No, <laughs> apparently you're like a Yoshi. Not you don't <laughs> like Yoshi. They but, all gave me the mean stare and were confusing themselves with Care Bears. But the thing about Yoshi is he has such wonderful bile spitting skills. I love Yoshi though. It's true. Yoshi's my fan. I mean, I, I mean, not fan. What? Sorry, he's touching <laughs> himself while he says that. Ah, Yoshi. <laughs> so let's talk about you and not Ruse Crotch. How are you tonight? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. I'm just really happy it's Friday. It's uh, it's been a very uh, long, eventful week. Right, right. And uh, we won't ask you about work because rule number one is you're not allowed to say where you work. But where are you? Um, well, I am up in the rainy, rainy city of Seattle area. That The rainy city of Seattle area? <laughs> and what are you? Um... Well, hmm. I'm I, I like to hoard shinies. Yoshi collections. Your shinies. Your shinies. <laughs> I'm a raccoon. Oh, I was gonna give you the drum roll. And uh, how long have you been in the fandom? So that's actually an interesting story. So um I actually uh moved over to the Seattle area because of a job and I ended up meeting a friend up through a dating app which is really funny and this friend I'd actually talked to eight years prior and he happened to be in the fandom and so I met a ton of friends through him and then I was like oh this fandom's kind of pretty cool and so I was like you know I got to make my own character as always that's the starting place and so then I came up with my character and uh, that was 2009. Oh you're so young. (laughs) <laughs> you're so young i know i'm like oh i'm such a lamp in the corner so wow but you're almost 10 years in the fandom now if you think about it 2016 so what have you done in the fandom like is is there some things that you've been what i'm sorry he what are you doing in your pants you just keep doing this thing what are you doing this is a serious interview about a serious topic and you're all ah oh, don't worry <laughs> What what, uh, what have you what are you, what activities have you taken up in the fandom besides dog walking? Oh, oh well, well, uh, let's see. Um, tweeting useless tweets. Uh, let's see what else have I done? Hmm. I helped with uh, Furry Unlocked. Uh, that was that was a cool con. I'm just bummed it's over. Um, and then let's see. Um, well, see, I, anything I mentioned kind of says where I work. So <laughs> You've been involved in the kink communities of the fandom. There we go. We'll keep it that way. Yes. Yes. Nice. Quite actively. And have you ever experienced a death? Uh, quite a few, actually. Of your own? Um, you haven't died, have you? Are you a ghost? Well, I don't know. Sometimes I wonder about that. Uh, if this is my second or third life. No, I'm just kidding. Are you a believer in uh, reincarnation? Um, I don't think I believe it, but I don't also disbelieve it. Okay. It's the wonderful thing about faith. Fair enough. Fair enough. It's mystery. But you have you have had to deal with loss of your own, right? I have. Okay. So there's his qualifications, everyone. <laughs> notarized in triplicate wow wow such 
do I, do I have to sign it or can I use a stamp? Uh, well, do you have a shiny that just works for that? You just put a shiny on it, right? And then you just hit it with your paw and it like embosses it. Oh, that, that might work. I mean, I do <laughs> swim through my gold collection regularly. <laughs> like it's right ra- next to the door to Wonderland. It's like how raccoons emboss things. They just put their own shiny on it, hit it, and then take it back. All right, all right, guys. So we need to get back to the serious topic here. Serious topic of death. All and, right. And loss. Fair enough. And so, you know, we've lost a lot of great people in the fandom over the years. Um, one of them is Arcus. Um, he was in Washington State. Uh, he was a dragon that died in 2014 from cardiac arrest related to a food allergy. Wow. You sent us that, actually. It was a year ago. Uh, two years ago, actually. Sorry. Um, Ferp died in 2009. He was a California dragon, and someone who was DUI struck him. And the driver pled guilty and has lost his driving privileges for life. And I actually happen to remember him coming to one of my parties at FC because he played a weird Nokia ringtone where the ringtone kind of had a meltdown. Everyone knows that. That was him. Um, And then like the next month he was gone. Wow. Yeah. It was kind of like, wait, that was the guy. (laughs) It was, uh, I remember a lot of people were upset about that. Um, one of the big ones that a lot of people quote is Lemonade Coyote. That was in 2013. Um, he was an Indian based, um, coyote that died, um, in the line of duty as an EMT when his ambulance was, well, when his ambulance was struck by a car. (laughs) Tugs. Indiana. Yeah. Indiana. Not Indian. Oh. He didn't work on a reservation. He was in Indiana. Uh, thank you. Do you know of any other furries that have died by chance, Lyric? Um, <clears throat> I actually haven't. Not of furries, uh, at least not yet. Um, I've I've known of some other people that have died in other fandoms uh, that aren't furry specific or other communities or sub communities. Um, but no, not not in the furry fandom. Although I'm sure that's going to be coming with with the more I've the more I meet, it's only the chance just is greater. Right. I, you know, I, I've, I've, I've decided that life goes like this. You're born, you're dumb, you make friends, and you learn how to make friends. Then you're a know-it-all. Then you're an adult. And then suddenly everyone starts getting married. And then suddenly people start dying. Like, that's kind of how life works. I don't know if I'm the only one with this perception, but I feel like that's how life works in stages. It, it definitely feels like there's a huge transition that happens in your life when you hit about 25, 26. Right. It, it, it literally, like, your your mindset com- actually does shift, regardless of whether anything in your life actually shifts. Um, and it's almost like your view on time completely changes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So it looks like that Sid ended up sending an email. And actually, he was our inspiration for... I think, I think Sid's a she, but yeah. Uh, sorry, she um, gave us the imp- inspiration for this particular episode. Um, do you happen to have that email? I do, but we're not going to read it because Nuka's going to read it during Get Psyched. Okay. So your email, Sid, will be later, but it was the impetus for this episode. So we thank you for the idea. Thank you. So, so we do use the listener ideas we get. See? See? Mm-hmm. All right, Lyric. Ooh. So do do tell us, what kind of losses have you experienced in your life? Uh, so, um, there's a couple different ones. And the reason why I say different ones, I, I really mean categories of kind of 
Well, loss and grief are kind of two different things. Um, loss to me, it more dictates change, that something changes around you. Grief more dictates heartbreak. So it's something that you're more tied to emotionally and it hurts a lot more. Um, some of the, the ones that I kind of experienced when I was younger were losing um, grandparents and whatnot in different ways. Um, uh, like my grandpa died at our lake cabin. We had left um, before he did, and he was going to stay another couple days. And my dad had called at one point, and he kept getting a busy signal, and the phone was off the hook. And then we found out, okay, that he had had a stroke and died. Um, that happened. I wasn't really that close to him, so it didn't affect me emotionally as hard as other losses, but it was still a change. A lot of things shifted after that. Um, another loss um, that's kind of affected me a little closer to home was a guy that I mowed lawns for for mm, at least 12 years. Uh, so he supplied most of the money for all the video games I bought growing up and all my various hobbies and whatnot. And I got to know them really well. They uh, owned a lot of real estate and they played bluegrass and went on cruises and they were really cool uh, couple. Um, well, he ended up getting cancer and the medication uh, kind of made him a little loopy and he ended up uh, committing suicide pretty much the same night after I actually had dinner at their house. Um, so I was one of the last ones that got to see him. And so it was just it was one of those things when you're when you're around that type of environment, it's like it hits you where it's just like I knew him. I didn't know him as well as maybe his kids did, but I knew him and he was a part of my life in a way. And of course, after he passed away, they moved, uh, she moved back with her kids down south and whatnot. And, you know, I've never seen them again. Another type of loss is like there was a family that I hung out with a lot when I was growing up. And when I say a lot, I mean like every day I went over to their house. They had four kids, different ages, and we'd play, you name it. It doesn't matter what games, uh, with Legos, pro build things, projects, basketball, scooters, whatever. We'd do participate in school activities because we kind of went to the same schools um and uh they ended up moving away because the husband got a different job and they moved down to oregon and there were actually two summers that i flew down to oregon and spent two weeks with them and then they've kind of dropped off the map after that but you know it's one of those things when something that becomes a huge part of your life especially when it's emotional attachment when that drops out even if it's loss it, it really becomes grief because your heart was somewhere in the mix um another piece of loss that i've had is um uh, someone who tried to date me. Um, I was in Spokane and uh, there was someone that tried to date me. Uh, and what I mean by tried is he was in love with me, but I was in love with him. And we hung out once or twice. And after that second time, um, I didn't really talk with him after that. Well, he ended up committing suicide three days later. So, you know, it's one of those things, there's things that become out of your control where it's just like, okay, well, did I cause that? And like, you could have these, these sense of guilt or shame or whatever it is that was I the catalyst? Did I do something wrong? And a lot of times you can't, you, you have to understand that you can't control some of those, those aspects. And suicide is a really common occurrence, uh, pretty in a lot of sub communities, not just the furry fandom. Um, another type of loss that I experienced recently, that really hit me harder than any other loss I've ever experienced was actually the loss of my grandma. Um, she was a very creative individual, and so we spent a lot of time together. Um, she didn't really have a close relationship with my mom, um, which it was with their daughter, um, but uh, there being my grandma was actually still married. Uh, they were a military family, so they moved around a lot. So she kind of became a person that was able to 
she had all sorts of skill sets, whether it be making clothes, whether it be cooking meals, whether it be remodeling the house, whether it be because the husband wasn't present. So, um, cause he was a general. And so they moved 26 times. Um, at one point my mom was even in a drawer of a, dre- a dresser drawer and she was just born two days before and they were heading across the country to their next deployment. So, you know, it's a totally different time, the very transient lifestyle and whatnot. So um, I really got to know my grandma because she painted for 36 years and she was very creative. She was very involved in politics. She accepted me for who I am uh, as being gay. My parents did not. They're very Christian conservative. Um, So that was kind of a rough period. And so losing her was a huge deal because it happened in a short two-week span. Um, She was diagnosed with cancer, and uh, this kind of chaos thing happened where the family just, I mean, we were trying to come together, but there were all these little factions that had happened that were trying to pull us apart, and it it was kind of excruciatingly painful. Overall, how has that changed you? How has that affected you, yourself? So, so it, it, it actually can affect you greatly, um, but it, it really depends on, again, it, whether it's loss or whether it's, it's heartbreak. See, because if it's loss, let's say like when 9-11 happened, the reason why I, I kind of put that more as loss and, and base it off change is my dad lost his job, so money was tighter in our family. Um, you know, that day that it happened, everything kind of stopped. You know, classrooms had the TV on, uh, you know, with what was going on. Nobody was doing schoolwork. Nobody was playing music in the band room. You know, the it's very captivating. It's an event that you remember, and there's an emotional attachment because it affects so many people around you, and it, and it kind of produced change. But at the same time, it wasn't per se heartbreak because I didn't lose anyone personally directly. I didn't. Other people did. Um, so it really depends on the scenario. For my grandma, that 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 was a huge. That was heartbreak because, well. When it's someone that you want to talk to regularly, or like let's say something just happened that's great, or something that happens that's bad, and you have that you know that top four people or the the people that are on your team. So like for me, I call it team lyric. Um, my grandma was one of those people that I could literally talk about anything and stand outside of judgment, um, which is really a gift in itself. And uh, to not have that, to like you know you look at your phone and you want to dial the person, but you can't. Because when you dial the person, you get uh, an Asian, which is where her number was given. Uh, you know, it's like, it's one of those things where I made the mistake once of calling. I was like, oh, that's not her. Whoops. You know, it's like, and it's because the bond was so strong. It's like sometimes I've even caught myself when I was in Spokane that I'd be driving along and on autopilot and I'd be near the area of where her house is and my steering wheel would just want to turn in and go to her house and sit on the back deck because I can still smell the the fresh, you know, soil in the garden and the flowers because she loved to plant lots of different flowers and I can still taste the iced tea that we'd have on the back deck. And I think those sense of smell and taste are probably the strongest memories that are the hardest to kick. And one thing I really like to want to explain about grief is that you can't prevent it. Um, it's one of those things where it can happen to you at very inconvenient moments. Sometimes you can you have the strength to get through it, and other times you don't. You, you it'll literally just take you out. It'll make you start crying. You'll your knees will buckle. You'll you'll just like I need a minute. Maybe you need a day. You know it depends on what it is. Um, so I, I'd say grief hits a lot harder. I've also realized recently after talking to someone I met at a uh, a different convention that I went to that experienced um, being traded. 
um, I guess you could say slave traded for sex uh, overseas and all that stuff. She lost 15 years away from her children because of it. And she's dealing with grief through her trauma of trust because of the time that she lost away from her children that she can't get because they're older now. So grief kind of has many different places of origin, but it all comes from heartbreak. So in your situations then, when you've experienced loss, so break this into say like a, a minor loss or, or grieving situation versus a major one, how long did it take you to accept that situation and move forward with it? So for me, it actually doesn't take me that long um, because most of the time I have a positive image of whatever's happened or the people involved or whatnot, um, where it's like, well, even for my grandma, in a lot of ways, I still have a positive image where it's like, okay, I know what she would want me to do. I, I know she would want me to be happy. I, I know she'd want me to push forward. She'd want me to work on new projects. She wants me to be successful. And she loved me, and I loved her. And so it's it's a little easier for, in, in that regard, it's been easier to move forward. And same with other things, like losing a classmate or, let's say, you know, uh, Another good example of loss would be losing items, like you lose your phone, maybe you lose your laptop, maybe you lose your car, maybe you lose your house. You know, these are these are traumatic events, and some people hold on to it and think that by holding on to it, it's going to get better. And what it really is is that they're not allowing themselves to grieve, um, and that actually makes it worse because really to grieve means something inside you has to die to move forward. And some people can't do that. And so you'll notice that the people that can't do that are, you know, they get cooped up in their house. They don't want to talk to people. They shut down. They 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 circle think a lot. Um, they just, they let themselves kind of break down. For me, it's like, if anything, it's more of a motivation to do better, to do something for that individual or for the reason, you know, it's like if I were to lose my house, I'd go back to the drawing board. And first off, I'd say, well, this really sucks. And I'm, you know, I might be emotionally compromised at first, but then once I, I, the, the logic kicks back in and the shame goes away because shame with shame, there's no logic. That's the emotional fight or flight mode. But once the shame goes away, it's like, okay, let's go back to the drawing board and figure out where did I go wrong? Who did I trust? You know, why, you know, why did this happen? Um, and then move forward. Um, but something inside me has to say, well, I made a mistake. Okay. I'm not going to self hate and I'm going to move forward in that sense. Well, you've already touched a little bit on this topic a little bit, but, um, what we want to do is actually explore those stages of the of grief. So, you know, we've heard of the five stages of grief and pretty much whenever you lose, you know, you experience loss or of some sort, um, you go through these stages of grief. Do you know them um, offhand? I personally don't. Um, to me, there are, I've, I've heard the five stages, and what the reason why I don't really focus on the five stages is I've noticed that some people skip some of those stages, and some people go through all five, and so I don't really look at it as a stage. I just kind of look at it, okay, where are you in the resolution You know, pool? Um, it, it, grief is very difficult. You know, Grief is one of those things that nobody really likes to talk about. Um, yeah. Well, it's the most disabling of all human emotions you can experience. It is. It's stripping of everything that you thought that made you who you were and rebuilding into something else. Um, so the five stages of grief are denial. So, you know, and, and 
I agree with you, Lyric, actually. I agree with... Um, it's just a framework. You know, sometimes it goes all at once. Sometimes, you know, somebody can have this experience, like, go through all these stages, like, really quick in a complicated, you know, emotion. Or maybe they'll only go through one or two of these steps. Or they'll go through the steps backwards, you know. Um there's no real order to them and you know you're you're right grieving is 100 percent probably one of the hardest things so com- um compart compartmentalizing com- yes that's the word thank you um you know it's really difficult to do that and so um i'm just doing um going through the five stages you know to kind of you know that's something that that may help. Uh, kind of, I'm it's kind of going all over the place. It's information, today. but the thing is, is yeah. when I look this up and put it in the show notes, it's it's being viewed more now is like a framework. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, in, in the world of, of development and programming, for instance, if you have a framework, you don't have to use every piece of it. It's just it's kind of these are these are the options. These are the kind of what everyone exactly. has agreed are the things that are available in that programming framework. So, in the in that same analogy. These are generally the, the, uh, the things you'll see people go through, but not everyone uses every one of these options. Yeah. So denial. What is denial? They're not dead. They're not gone. I didn't break up. They just, they're just mad right now. This actually didn't happen to yeah. me. Right. Okay. And then what's anger? <laughs> God damn. Anger's rash, rash decisions, I think, is probably the biggest thing is anger that I see most in anger. Um uh, rash decisions. It could be shouting. It could be sending off a message to some family member over something. It could be, you know, it depends on the situation. Um, anger could also be in the sense of, of violence, although usually it's not violence on other people. Not always. Uh, it has. It can be. Um, it's usually self self violence, where in the sense you're hurting yourself in some way um, to try and make the pain go away. Ang- so anger? those kind of go hand in hand. Anger is, in general, often a covering for vulnerability, and absolutely. So, like, you could don't also know be what to do with the loss. Could also be blaming somebody for yeah. what happened. Well, yeah, absolutely. Some people will blame a mile a minute because you know it just makes it easier. But, but again, I think that also goes along with denial as well. It, the mm-hmm. two. Yeah. Um, how about bargaining? Bargaining. Uh, yeah, yeah. You go for it, Lyric, because I, I struggle with this one. I've never personally had gone through a bargaining phase in my grieving. I haven't either, um, but that's because uh, I think part of it also comes back to the fact that I don't feel like I'm... Well, okay, that's not true. I have gone through bargaining because I think people who are religious in the sense of that believe in God and believe they have a personal relationship with God or some deity um, do a, uh, some bargaining actually quite often. Um, you'll notice that people that are religion bargain with God. Why did you take this person? You know, They'll ask the question or they'll try to bargain to see if there's a way to get them back You know, with some sort of hidden hope with this power of what they believe in. Even though it's all faith-based, you know, which means it's mystery. Faith and mystery go hand in hand. Whether it's a true thing and that person exists or not, they're just hoping that it does, and so they try and bargain. As you'll notice that's very common in religion. But as for people who stand kind of outside religion, um, maybe not believe in it, but don't disbelieve it, they don't really bargain. You know, I don't necessarily see that bargaining is just for, I mean, just in the religious realm. I mean, I also do see that it's like, it, it's just where people are are saying to them, like saying to themselves that, um, 
uh, thinking about whether or not that this would actually I, I feel like in a way happen or not. I like, feel like in a way it's like kind of hoping they're going to walk around the corner. That's exactly what yeah, it is. Yep. Yeah, hoping or or thinking back. Okay, this is what I was going to say. Thinking back to what actually um, happened and, you know, reviewing it in your mind and thinking if I would have done something different, this person exactly. would have been still alive or... You know, thinking in your mind, like if I was, if I would have just called them, you know, I would have, should have, could have. Yeah. Should would have, could have. I think that and that, that kind of goes along in that stage of bargaining. Um, I don't know. That's just my personal opinion. Well, no, you're right. It's, and you're right. That that's why the next step, which is depression, can happen a lot easier. See, I feel like these are in order for a reason, but that so you don't always go through every step in order. You know, you could get angry and then depressed. But I think bargaining leads to depression a lot for people. You know, I didn't, I couldn't find a way. I blame myself. Um, I, you know, and I think my experience in life has been that people go through these stages even more deeply in a lot of ways when they break up for the first couple times in their lives. Oh my God, it's so bad. It's life or death is to them, you know, because they've never experienced anything like it. So they don't even know how to traverse the feelings. Right. And so they're like, well, come back to me. We'll make it work. We'll make it work. And then they get really depressed. And the person's like, no, you're an asshat. Or no, we're not compatible, you know? And all that specialness is gone. Mm-hmm. They feel devalued. And um, then they they look at, you know, themselves and and see that, I mean, it it's a, a shattering moment. It's definitely a shattering moment. And they have to look at themselves and look at themselves in the mirror and find a way out of it. It's you have to dig deep, and that's where you get to the next one, which is acceptance. Um, and of course, like you said already, that you could go from anger to acceptance and skip things, but um, you know, acceptance as far as what acceptance is, acceptance is just finally, you know, knowing that that this is what happened and being able to find a point in which you're able to move forward just a little bit. But even though that you've gone through acceptance, it doesn't necessarily mean that that is the finish line. It You could fall back into the other um, categories until you get back to resolving that particular issue of the loss. Um, One thing, Go ahead. One thing I want to add to that, because actually you hit it right on, that's totally true, um, is one thing that seems to solve, um, really conclude, is really the conclusion, you know, to, to grief. The only thing that really seems to solve that is time. It, re- it really is. Tried and true, it's time. Like, if 50 years pass, the grieving of something that happened 50 years ago, and it's just with how our brains work, is going to be significantly overridden with new memories of happiness at least hopefully hopefully you're creating new memories of happiness um there are those traumatic experiences that we we like to hold on to and it you know a lot of times we hold on to them even though we shouldn't and that's where that something inside you has to die to move forward comes in now that's not to say that when you remember down the road you know, let's say in like five years, I remember this. That doesn't mean I couldn't have a moment of weakness and just start bawling uh, and then I'd be fine. But, you know, let's say 50 years from now, 
let's say I was still alive, that's probably not the case. I, I may have strong emotions, but they're not going to be probably as debilitating. Oh yeah. Yeah. And the, you the pain. See, that's the thing is, is I, I really hate that we call it acceptance. It's more like you just learn to deal with the situation. The pain will always be there, but it's almost like you kind of, you get a little bit of a scab and a little bit of a scar because you're never going to be the same, right? No, nope. you just you move forward and you carry it with you. That's emotional right. baggage, and it's life. You're going to get it, right? It's it's you you you've made peace with the fact that that change is there now. It's what it's going to be, and it's always going to hurt a little bit, no matter what. Right, right. And one of the things I did want to talk about, and we don't have to talk about it yet. We can wait a little bit, but it's I want to talk about kind of the response that that we have to people that are grieving. Yes. That's great. That's let's do that. Let's go to break and then we will come back and we'll talk about that. Hello and welcome to Get Psyched with Dr. Nuka. Today we're talking about grief and loss in the furry fandom. Before we talk about grief in the fandom itself, here's a few quick facts about the psychology of grief. First of all, Losses are generally harder to deal with when they're sudden or unexpected. While losing someone is almost always painful, being able to see it coming can help you mentally prepare for the loss. For example, in cases of terminal illness, you may have weeks or even months to process your feelings, and you may even have the chance to do so with the person who's passing away. In cases where the loss is sudden or untimely, however, like an accident, a medical complication, or a suicide, the unexpected flood of emotions can overwhelm your mental defenses and leave you feeling much less able to cope. Two, there's a misunderstanding that people go through five stages of grief after the loss of a loved one. These stages are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. While some of these feelings are often experienced by people who are mourning the loss of a loved one, they aren't universal, nor are they even necessary, or do they follow any particular order in most people. The reality is that people process grief in a myriad of ways. For example, this means crying and dealing with powerfully sad feelings of loss or regret for some, but for others it involves stoic readjustment to life without the person. Some may want to surround themselves with friends and family, while others may just want time to process the feelings themselves, or just to try to get back to business as normal. There's no right or wrong way to grieve. 3. Grief is a process of transition, of adapting to a new situation. Generally, the closer a person was to you, or the more they played a role in your day-to-day -day life, the harder it is to adjust to their absence. It can take weeks or even months to fully process and adapt to these changes. And we shouldn't expect the pain to ever go away entirely, although it does fade with time. While change caused by loss is difficult for us, people are also remarkably resilient. A number of factors can affect this resilience, including who we are, our personality, our past experience, and our current social environments, the people we surround ourselves with. So knowing this about grief and loss, what can we say about them in the context of the furry fandom? Well, first of all, while grief tends to have the biggest impact on those closest to the person lost, this doesn't mean that the loss can't be felt outside the person's immediate friends and family. In a community as tight-knit as the furry fandom, it's not uncommon for the news of a furry's passing to spread throughout the community as a whole. And what's more, the feelings of loss can also reverberate throughout the community because of empathy. 
Even if we don't personally know the individual who passed away, we can see the pain that other members of our community are going through, too. When it comes to helping others process their grief, the best advice is to be whatever that person needs you to be. Remember that people process grief in their own way, and that there's no one right way to grieve. Maybe they just need to express their pain and have others acknowledge that it's okay for them to feel this way. Or they may need another person there to keep them grounded, give them some perspective, and remind them that the pain will pass with time. Or they may just need someone to take their mind off the pain, if only for a few minutes, a happy thought or a distraction. Ultimately, helping can be as simple as asking someone what you can do to help. Remember that grief is a process that's going to take some time. Chances are there's probably nothing you can do or say that will fix the pain the person is going through in that moment. And don't beat yourself up for it if you can't. Don't take it personally or let it dissuade you from trying to help. Chances are your efforts are making a difference, even if it's not obvious. 3. Whether you are furry or not, having a social support network is really important to our well-being. In fact, having people you can count on to be there for you when times are tough is one of the best predictors of resilience. It's one of the reasons why wakes and funerals are part of so many different cultures. So although not everyone processes grief in the same way, a lot of people will turn to their friends and loved ones for support in times like these. And for many furries, that social support means turning to the fandom itself, whether it's particular friends they've made through the fandom, or just talking to a group of furries online. Knowing that others are there to help can help us feel like we're not carrying this emotional burden alone. Finally, keep in mind that death is a subject associated with a lot of powerful emotions. Sadness, anger, loss, guilt, fear. It's generally not a pleasant topic for anyone. As such, death really needs to be handled delicately, especially since there are so many ways that people cope with loss. A way of coping that's functional for one person may be considered hurtful or offensive to another. For example, creating artwork or tributes can help some people process their emotions, and that's okay. But you can also acknowledge that for others, it may be a painful reminder or be seen as inappropriate or cashing in on a tragedy. There's no right or wrong answer here. Instead, it's a matter of balancing individuals' different coping styles with the community's norms for what's acceptable and unacceptable. And speaking of community norms, in general, we tend to frown upon those who insult or say nasty things about other people. But when the target is someone who's passed away, it becomes an even more touchy subject because of the powerful emotions involved. There are times when it's more or less appropriate. For example, it's generally considered inappropriate to disparage someone shortly after they've passed, and especially inappropriate if the comments are likely to be heard by those who are directly impacted by the loss, that person's friends or family. And if you really want to speak ill about someone who's passed away, it's worth honestly asking why you're doing it. Saying mean things about a person who's passed isn't likely to resolve an argument you had with them or mend some long-standing grudge. Yeah, it may annoy you to hear people saying positive things or idealizing a person that you disagreed with or disliked, but realize why they're doing this. They're doing it to cope with immense amounts of pain. Is it really worth it to set the record straight? You're only going to increase the pain these people are struggling with, and you're not likely to get the resolution or rational dis d debate about this person's vices and virtues that you might be looking for. Chances are, what you're trying to do is make yourself feel better or prove something, and you're doing it by hurting others who are particularly vulnerable. This has been a look into the psychology of grief and loss. I'm Dr. Nuka, thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time on Get Sights.
let's try to get this on the first take if we can. This is the For What It's Worth piece. Take one. Hey, all you flower children, cool cats and foxes. This is TG from Southern Cal, and you are listening to For What It's Worth from 1967. Timmit, nice, but check your copy. I think you got up in the wrong decade this morning. Oh, uh, not the 1967 for what it's worth. Okay, I'm on it. The 216 for what it's worth. This is for what it's worth. Take two. Greetings, furries everywhere. This is Timmit Grizzly from Southern California. And you are listening to For What It's Worth, the sophisticated podcast listened to by four out of five discriminating furries. That's a wrap. Welcome back, and thank you to TG, Tim McGrizzly, for that amazing ident. That was seriously an amazing ident. Yeah, like, who are you? <laughs> That's what we want do, to know. Do more. <laughs> Can you send us more stuff? Don't. That's I'm going to go play the video game with his voice. Right? I, know. I don't know what it is. Yeah, we don't know who you are. But no, you really but well. you know what? Thank you so much. That was awesome. That really was That awesome. was epic. Yes. So, um, as you may have forgotten by now, we are talking about loss and grief and death and all the sad things that come at the end of life. And we're going to go more into the nitty gritty, the emotional side of things. And But back to lyrics question. Or topic or whatever. <laughs> Comment. So, so how people react to grief um, or your grief. You know, uh, there's really two ways to react. Um, you can react with sympathy, which is the most common, or you can react with empathy. Um, sympathy is feeling for people and empathy is feeling with people. And so I think the biggest confusion, and and I don't know about you, but when someone, you know, let's say you just experienced something awful, um, you're emotionally distraught and your friend, hopefully not a close friend, says, oh, I'm so sorry for your loss. <laughs> the problem with, and, I, and you're going to be like, I've said that so many times. What do you mean? Uh, well, when you say, I'm sorry for your loss, what you're actually saying is, I don't want to feel that. But you're going through it, but I don't want to feel that. That's what you're saying. It's you're, you're actually, yeah. And, and so when you say it, what you probably don't realize is, unless people are just garnering and wanting attention, which typically is not the case if they're experiencing real grief, that's the last thing they want to hear because it really is actually distancing language. Um, it it kind of says that, okay, yes, you had a loss. Okay, um, I don't know what to do about this, so I'm going to say I'm sorry for your loss or rest in peace or whatever, and I'm going to send you a fruit basket or some flowers and hope it goes away. That's what that really says. Now, the other emotional side, being empathetic, that feeling with people and let's be honest, rarely words actually make things better. But that's where you go. It's like, are you okay? Not, I'm so sorry for your loss, but are you okay? Is there anything I can do? And sometimes that might be a no. Some people, you know, if you're with them personally, as opposed to writing to them on Facebook or Twitter, you could, you know, and sometimes you have to ask, it's like, is it okay? Can I hug you? You know, it's something even subtle as like you're sitting next to them and placing your hand on top of their hand to just let them know that you're there. Like that's empathy. 
that's feeling with people. And there's a huge difference. And I think we often make that mistake. I agree with you. And it, it, sometimes it's really difficult that it, when, when you get into that, um, that phase, if you haven't had the same similar experience um, as they are to, to be on that emotional level. Um, but I, I, yeah, I, I'm sorry. I'm going all over are the place again. Are you feeling right now? Yes, I am kind of feeling. I mean, I'm struggling with this topic, and here's the reason why that I'm struggling with this topic today is because I've been going through a lot lately as well for myself. In fact, the reason why we ended up pushing this episode a little bit was just due to the fact that I was attending my grandpa's funeral. And it's and just a month before that, I buried my childhood best friend that um, had something fall down on him and he didn't go to the hospital for it and he passed away. And I've lost, since since I've been with my boyfriend, I've lost every single one of my grandparents. And it just seems like every time I turn around, people are dropping left and right like flies. And it's just, it's hard. It's really difficult. And it's been a huge, it's been a huge struggle. And I've... I've heard people say that to me. You know, they've came up to me and said, oh, sorry for your loss. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, asshole. <laughs> no, that, <laughs> no, I seriously, seriously no, that am. Is true. That is true. That's how I feel when someone says that. That is my <laughs> gut reaction. You know what? I, the thing I do is I apologize and I say, I'm not going to say I'm sorry for your loss. I'm going to ask you how you're doing. And, and they kind right. of like catches them off guard. They're like, why? And I go, because if I say I'm sorry for your loss, I'm a dick. You know, the number one thing that I have been hearing is, oh, how close were you to them? That is the question that makes me pissed off. Wow. Wow. That one, that one's not a good one. Not a that starter one, anyway. That's, I, I even heard that today from a coworker of mine. And the, that okay. line, go ahead. That line is deeply, deeply rooted in comparison. That, that, that line to say, how close were you? And what that is, is they're actually measuring in some way, okay, if, if you're closer to the person, then I can, then I'm going to feel, I'm going to feel really bad for you in the sense of like, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to be emotionally distraught versus if you're not very close to the person, why, why the heck are you making this big fuss about it? It's this, you know, it, it's almost this idea of at least, you know, like if, if let's say I had two children and one of them was doing great in school and the other one was, was doing horrible. Uh, and I was like, oh man, Johnny's doing horrible in school. Well, at least Sarah's a straight A student. Like it's kind of the same thing where it's just like you're sugarcoating over the top, which is like, well, how close are you to them? It's like, you, you need to qualify that you can grieve this much. You need to qualify that you're making this big deal. Because so, so, otherwise I'm going to floodlight you with my grief over yours. So let me, let me ask this being devil's advocate. Is it better to or appropriate to ask, were you close? That's, uh, that would be, that can be more appropriate, but it's not necessarily better. I think it's better to, to avoid that altogether and, and just say something along the lines, are you okay? Um, and, and ask, um, how, are you, how are you traversing this? How, like, where are you at with this? More open-ended, let them define it. If, if somebody's coming to you to tell you that somebody has passed away in their life, 
it's probably important. It's almost like as if somebody came to you and said, oh, I'm gay. And then you say to them, oh, how long have you been? Like, <laughs> or how? No, it's true. No, it's, it's true. true. It usually means they need to talk about it. Right, right. You know, how, how engaged, I don't know. It, it's just, it's extremely insensitive to that particular person. And I would highly recommend to not say those particular phrases and just ask uh, and just say to them, you know, everybody here has experienced some form of loss. So what I would recommend is thinking about what you wish somebody would have said when you experienced that loss and saying that. You want some ice cream? I agree. Oh, thank you, Tugs. No, seriously. Like, you want pie? You want ice cream? Like, Yeah. Like, asking them, would you like to talk about this yeah. more or, or something? Because if they're coming to you and saying, I lost somebody, you know, you don't need to gauge on whether or not the the whole factor is is they've had some form of a loss that's happened to them. They are a human being, and they should be treated instead of as a they they should be treated as a person and not just. I don't know how to explain. This, well, this is an interesting aspect. You both of you are, are are debating here because the thing is, is even work policies are based upon your proximity to the person. Like grievance policies in bigger companies, you they must be an immediate family member. It doesn't. They don't take into account the fact that like my friend could be closer to me than my brother, but because we're not blood related, I don't get I don't get to grieve for him. Like I don't get to so take you, time. You bring up a great point, and this actually happened to me. Um, it was. There was a major product launch that is very, 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 very popular um, in today's world that I had to participate in because I worked for that company. And my great-grandma passed away right as that launch was happening, and I wasn't able to go home for the funeral. Because she wasn't that close in terms of blood, right? Exactly, yeah. I couldn't take the time off for that, even though she was 98 years old when she died. That's horrible. It is. It is. Um, But, you know, it's one of those things where it's just like it's policy is quite interesting when it comes to death. Uh, The uh, the one thing I did want to add to the comparison thing, though, that I think is really important is one of the worst things you can do when someone is grieving is to try and relate by using death that you've experienced. It's better to listen to how they're grieving with their situation and not even bring up or compare that you felt or try to relate in that way. Even though to get into that emotion, you have to go to a place that makes you feel that way. That doesn't mean that you should outweigh whatever their grief is. And that's a common mistake that people make when talking about grief with other people is they flood light their grief on top of it. So like, for example, there's someone that I know that experienced a their their dad's death and their dad actually committed suicide and this was uh, several years ago, but then their their husband um, their husband's sister committed suicide and the weight of this their dad committing suicide overshadowed everything that was going on. That experience overshadowed everything that went on after. His, their husband's, you know, sister died. And so what became the what should have been a grieving period for the the husband and the the husband's family didn't happen how it should have happened. Um and a great case of this too is like if someone, you know, 
is getting, I'm sorry for your loss, I'm sorry for your loss. And maybe this is a person you hate, which actually this happens more commonly than you think, especially in the business world. There could be a person that you hate, that, you know, has done bad business with you, whatever, you know, you, you absolutely loathe, but they happen to somehow be on your Facebook and you see the loss and it may be someone that you haven't called in several years, but, you know, this horrible tragedy happens in their life and you can tell they're suffering and you call them and, and ask, are you, are you okay? You know, and it shocks them, but it, you, it's really the most human thing you can do. Definitely. Definitely. And I think that that's something that each of us can learn to be a little bit better and be a little bit more sensitive to those, those particular things. I mean, I'm, I'm not necessarily saying that everybody needs to walk on pins and needles with everybody by no means, but, but have a little bit of common decency and common sense. Don't minimize the feelings of others because no matter what they're rooted in, be it grief, be it just feeling whatever for whatever reason those are real feelings and so it's important to at least have those feelings expressed and connected with so that they can be processed in a healthy way that's really what it is i mean we well and we do that in general for everything like it's just human nature to do it it's a skill to not do that right well and actually i wanted to bring up you both brought up this a great segue topic and that is perspective taking because we all view life through a specific lens. And sometimes it's really hard to remove that lens and put on someone else's lens and understand that, you know, this tiny little loss, they're feeling so much emotion for this. And yet for you, it's like, oh, that's nothing. I, re I, I replace that all the time. Or that's nothing. I've already experienced that. To not belittle loss or, or even belittle grief. And I think that's easy to do depending on your own perspective and what you've already experienced. I know that I kind of suffer from that a little bit when even though I, I can be emotional and empathetic, sometimes easier than other people, um, just naturally because I'm a very emotional person at my core, uh, you'll find that even I have to sometimes stop for a minute and go, okay, wait, this person might be experiencing something greater than how I would feel it. And I have to take off my lens of how I see the world and try to attempt to feel theirs, to understand where they are coming from. Exactly. I agree with you 100%. When it comes to the stages of, of life, we're all at different points. You know, I have may experience something, but this may be your first time going through this and experiencing this, you know, and it, I can completely understand where you're coming from as far as looking at it through your eyes versus looking at it through somebody else's. And I, I just feel like that more and more nowadays we need to take time instead of just writing off somebody's emotions and their feelings to sit down and try to look at why are they feeling the way that they or just let they're them feel feeling. It. Just let them feel it. There'll be time for rational stuff later, right? Absolutely. Did I interrupt you? No, you're fine. Okay. Do you have Maverick's email? I do. Go for it. So Maverick, just basically, um, he sent in this email that says, Hello, casts and guests. Though I have never known anyone in the fandom who has died, I had experienced loss and death before. When I was 14, my great-grandmother died. I know that... I didn't spend much time with her, but the loss still hit me hard. I also know that it hit those who were close to her in my family's in my family harder. I was able to deal with the loss through 
I was able to deal with the loss through trusting God and knowing in my heart that she was in a better place. I know that trusting in God might not be an option for those who aren't religious, but just remember that we are all dust, and to dust we shall return. Nothing can change that. Our only option is to keep on moving in life. Your fan in bed with a cookie maverick. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that that end statement kind of makes me depressed. I'll well, be honest. What's interesting is just, you know, <laughs> just from hearing you read that and what the words were, and this is where that empathetic part comes in, is that actually took me to a place that I, you know, even when I was like at my, my grandma's funeral that we did in her own house and all the artwork on the walls and the food that's on the table, you know, and, and all the family that was there. And, you know, I, I, they made me write the eulogy because none of them could agree on things because they were so emotionally distraught, you know, which is unusual. Let me tell you, like when you really think about it, it's like, I was not <laughs> the children. I was, I'm my mom's child. I'm not any of the children of, you know, my grandma. And so for me to be writing the eulogy and getting all these dates and these events that happened and all that stuff and make sure I was telling the story as best as I could, it, it was it was a huge honor as well as it was a huge uh, emotional drain. And it really didn't allow me to grieve. But I got, you know, watching them grieve and how they grieved, like Lori wrote a ton of stories, you know, of how her mom influenced her because she's a blogger, you know, for different blogs. And so that was her, her emotional outlet. Um, uncle Greg is a videographer, um, and helped film major films and whatnot. And he's also climbed mountains and used to work for national graphic. He did a film piece on all this stuff that my grandma did. So it was interesting to see the creative aspects that kind of poured into it. But like, as you were reading that letter, I really felt for that's the, the person really, Never. I mean, that's, it made me go to that place. So let's let's shift gears here a little bit towards the fandom then. And how do you think loss is different in the fandom? That's a tough question. I'm not sure that it is completely different, but I could see that it's a little different. And I that's a here's probably the best way I, I can answer that question. When when a ton of people know one person and that person whether they're just the con goer that you met twice, but a bunch of people met them, versus the the furry that's well known, the popu fur, for whatever various reason, whether it be by their art, by what they do for work, what whatever's influenced something within the fandom, um, those losses are probably you know I I'd like to say those losses are more widespread the more popular you are, but I think as a community because we fight so much for each other to sway away from all the bullying, you know, we care about inclusion, which you guys have talked about on a previous episode. I think no matter how small, I think we all are going to experience loss. I don't even think it matters who, even if it's someone that's done something atrocious to the community, I think we all feel some sort of loss. We're all family, and Correct. especially with lifestylers, I mean, you know, in the fandom, um, we're family too. And so when somebody ends up, um, you know, no longer, you know, disappearing, um, not only are they gone, but that part of them, that that character that they created is 
still alive, but yet, I mean, he's alive in our hearts, but he's technically gone as well. It's a it's a really weird dichotomy because if you think about it, it like Disney Mickey Mouse was Walt's alter ego. However, all the Disney characters are played by multiple people, and so those characters don't really die. But for a fursuiter and like their character, or even just a you know J- John Q. Furry, we don't have that. That character gets to be passed on because that's the idealized version of themselves, and so there isn't a handoff like that. So there's it's almost like there's two deaths in a way. Like you right. lose the person, but you lose the character, right? Mm-hmm. I, you bring up a great topic too, just the fact that you know the fandom is online based at its core, um, with around a lot of artwork, and the artwork doesn't per se die. You know, the artwork remains, and so even if the person goes, it's like the soul is still there in the artwork in some way or shape or form. Um, and that's something I, that is definitely unique to our fandom. Um, yeah. So. I want to go back to this particular topic real quick with what we talked about last episode, Tugs. We already brought it up once, but with Robin Williams and about, um, you know, his works and how you're not able to, to, to watch his works, you know, that's those works, which, which um, those works are basically his, he, never mind. It's like his soul. It, it's, it's his, his soul. connection. It is his, his connection. His connection to the world. And what he's given to us. I don't know. He very No, you're totally onto something, Rue. He very much in, influenced uh, childhoods, especially in the 80s, 90s. Um, and even, you know, after that, he had pieces that he was acting in and whatnot. He's, he was just so memorable. Um, yeah. I think probably the movie that influenced me the most, that moved me the most, was Mrs. Doubtfire. Um, right? As much as I love Aladdin, I Mrs. It. Doubtfire is very like heart stringy. Um, on, well, I guess really it comes down to abandonment, which is something I didn't realize that I was suffering from until recently, but I had been suffering from for years. So it's just like I just didn't know how what it was, um, and it's one of those things where I actually watched it after his passing. I actually had to wait a while. I couldn't watch it right away for the same reason I think Tugs isn't able to watch any of the films. But I was I watched it, and I was very emotionally moved. Um, but before I had watched Doubtfire, um, I actually watched his last uh, Night at the Museum film, and this was on Christmas uh, Day. Uh, my family decided to go see that movie, uh, I think it was two years ago. And um, I wasn't exactly expecting, I knew it was his last movie going into it, but I was like, oh, it's his last movie. You know, I I didn't realize that the movie paralleled, even in the plot line, this idea of a character leaving, that this will be the last time this museum comes to life, like that type of feel. And so his character that Robin Williams was playing, Teddy Roosevelt, I think it was what it was, this sadness paralleled the exact sadness I was feeling with losing him. And it was just weird to see this. It, it was, it was hard. I actually, I bawled at, towards the end of that film. And I was just like, I don't think that was a movie. I was supposed to be crying that much too. You know, I'm like wiping away the tears. My mom's like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm good. We're, we're fine. I'm, we're fine. Um, not really, but <laughs> thanks for asking. Uh, you know, and I think the line that hit me the hardest too was Aladdin with the genie, you're free. There was this, this, that picture with that line, Genie or Free, that was going around Twitter when it happened. And the day that he passed, I was in shock. 
I, I, I was, I was emotionally in shock. I, I wasn't able to feel at all. And I don't think I can watch Aladdin right now. I like even hearing the music uh, a little bit. Um, I actually kind of wanted to turn it off. It, it pushed. Oh, right. Right. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I, I was like, that's pushing my limit right now. <laughs> it's so hard to just listen to. You know, mine is, would have to be, it's, um, darn it. It's not, it's a wonderful life. That's the oldies movie. What is it? Um, what dreams may come. Is that what it is? I'm not sure. Um, you're close. I think that's pretty close to the title. I, I know what you're getting at. Do you mean flubber? No. <laughs> so anyways, um, yeah, it is What Dreams May Come. It's one of my favorite movies, but it's about Robin Williams dying. And he goes to heaven and his wife actually commits suicide. And um, she basically goes to hell. And it's about his story of him going to to rescue his wife that's in hell and in the end of the movie not trying to spoil it too much it's but, been t- almost 20 years it's okay okay well um he basically um decides to stay there with her and because he wants to be with her but only until he gave up was what is what it took for her to snap out of it and to you know for them to to be reunited and the happy ending blah 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 but but Absolutely. it was it was the um the whole ass i don't know it's just it's been hard for me too like with the whole loss of robin williams just because of how much happiness that he brought to the world and brought to all of us and i mean maybe it's just Maybe we put too much. No. No, no. See, because here's the thing. It's like, you know, there's that connection piece of joy that, you know, he projects and allows us to feel, which if you if you really think about it, we try to escape a lot. Like escapism becomes our life of relaxation. It's why we watch movies. It's why we read books. It's why we go outdoors. (laughs) Like there's so many reasons why, you know, it's why we wear, you know, furry costumes and, you know, design our characters and fantasy and all sorts of stuff. You know, it's, I think what happened the moment that he died though, especially this, this bright icon of just joy, because really at his core, you know, he provided so much joy in his acting. And he even stated that in some interviews, even though he was suffering within, because he knew that was his gift to the world. He even said that several times in interviews as well. And I think this awareness of time after his passing, especially like it didn't get great reviews, but I, I'll always remember the movie Jack. Um, that Robin Williams acted in as this, this boy that grows up at a faster rate um, than the other boys. Yeah. The um, poster was him in a treehouse. Right. Right. And you know, this idea that there's this hourglass in front of you and that sand's ticking, you know, you know, sand doesn't tick, but you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> could. Um, but uh, that movie that you referred to that, you know, really makes you think of Robin Williams, you know, it's, there's a magic there and it's the same magic that some of our famous people that introduce humor into our culture. Anytime any of those people disappear, it's like we lose something great. Even if we didn't know them personally, we did in a way through their work. Yeah. It's, I think so far it's been him a little bit of Michael Jackson. Um, 
thank goodness Betty White's still with us. Oh, agreed. <laughs> right? Um, uh, that's, uh, you know, yeah, I've already thought of that. You know who, you know who surprised me um, is Steve Jobs, because just this profound impact he's had on technology. Like, even if you have an Android, you kind of owe him a little bit, right? I felt a lot of loss for that. Um, I actually got to attend the the funeral gathering because I was working for Apple at the time um, for that event. And it was it was amazing and also a one in a million experience to see all of Apple in Infinite Loop in the, the main gathering area, um, all in all, all grieving in their own way. You know, like at the end, they had this, these areas uh, across the windows in different places uh, where you could put how you felt affected in some way or some memory that you remembered. Um, and of course, you could submit these online if you couldn't be there, which they had them rotating for very for quite a few weeks on end. But you could put that sticky note on the glass. And I remember doing that. And, you know, it's it, it was very moving. And you could tell that everybody felt it even if they didn't know him, and even people that had nothing to do with Apple, never even used a product, still felt it. Yeah, it's 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 something. You know, it's interesting. Uh, two observations. Well, actually, one observation and, and a wrap-up question is that even though we're, we're, we're you know, a furry podcast, we're talking about larger losses, um, which, you know, is in a way comforting because we're both furries, but we still have so much in common with everyone, and it's good for relational points and things like that um but the question i have is as furries there are going to be certain things left behind so what what do you think is the best thing we should do with art badges fursuits collars there are specific pieces of things as a furry that we just get and what do we do with those now fur i think it was fur i have it written up here um yeah, he, or, sorry, anyways, it was either Furp or Lemonade, I can't remember offhand. Um, they had their furry possessions auctioned off at MFF. Like, they arranged for that to happen, which I thought was pretty cool. Well, um, I was just going to say, you know, it's like, I kind of write my first students on my other stuff into my will, so it's one of those things where, for me, it's like, after I'm gone, it, I'm gone. Like that, at least that's how I feel about it. So it's like any of my belongings and stuff. It's like that's for the benefit of whoever I care about that I left behind. Can I be buried in my fursuit? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just I, kidding. Actually, that request I'm sure has been made by some. Furp, it it was Furp. It wasn't Lemonade. Sorry. Yeah, his his belongings were were auctioned off. So what are you going to do with your fursuit when you pass away? What's what's supposed to happen to it? Me? Yeah. Well, um, I'll probably I'm probably gonna end up giving it to a friend, and I'll, I'll or I'll put a friend or two in the list that I know would either take good care of it or wear it and have fun. So that's the whole idea. What about you, Rue? Me? Yeah. What happens to your fursuit? I goes to my boyfriend, so. or or hopefully husband. Well, yeah. your second. Your second. Hopefully husband at the time. What about what about your art? Um, it will be for the public to continue to enjoy and remember me by so you'll put it in the public domain sure what about you lyric um you know it's one of those things where it doesn't matter you know at least to me personally it's like it could be in the public domain it could you know to to me i don't think it needs to go in the public domain because i don't think it's going to mean anything to anybody in the public i think it has more meaning to again the people that that i care about that cared about me because Mm -hmm. it's almost like a memento 
uh, if they can't handle it and they need to get rid of everything that represent me, then that's one thing or, or another. But as a general rule of thumb, I don't, some stuff does fall away. Nothing actually will, seems to last forever, even with the internet age. Right. Okay. We just pile information on top of information. Right. Well, I'm curious. So if you're in the audience listening to this and you've never given it thought, give it some thought and we'll read it in the mailbag. Cause I'd be curious to know what, what are you going to do with your, with your furry things? You know, what do you want to have happen? Have you thought about it? And what do you hope people would do with your wishes and so forth? It's actually a really good thing to think about. Where yeah. If you weren't here tomorrow, are you prepared? Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those things no one wants to think about because it means confronting your own death. But what would you want done with all your possessions? What would you? I'm interested in the furry thing because, you know, we're a furry podcast. You can speak to both. At some point in time, that's going to be a... At some point in time, I'm sure that's going to be a, a topic. I got to figure out who's going to take all my Yoshis. I will. find a good home for those. <laughs> well, well. I'll take all of them. I promise you. <laughs> a few of them are rambunctious. Let me tell you. Um, yeah, write and t- write and share with us what you would do, because I think it would be really interesting to get those emails. But let's go to break. Yeah, Ru. Sounds great. Let's do it. Hailing Frequencies Open, Smokescale Aquatus here with another round of news for you. As of Thursday, March 17th, here are your space headlines. SpaceX successfully launched SES-9 to geotransfer orbit after four scrubs in a row. On the fifth attempt, they lifted off beautifully and put the vehicle in a stable orbit, on course to its destination. Landing the first stage, however, was unsuccessful. The rocket was operating very near its limits and just didn't have enough fuel left to land. It did, however, hit the barge, so it proves the vehicle can target its landing point easily. Maybe with a few tweaks and adjustments, they'll be able to pull it off next time. ESA's ExoMars survey probe is currently on its way to Mars after a successful launch atop a Proton rocket. The Proton has a storied history with interplanetary launches, so it's great to see one go off without a hitch. The probe will arrive at Mars in 2017 and will conduct experiments from orbit as well as drop down a stationary lander onto the surface. This is in preparation for a launch in 2018 that will see a rover built by Roscosmos put on the surface. The next Cygnus freighter has been mated with its Atlas V launcher in preparation for their targeted liftoff, March 23rd. This craft has been named Rick Husband, commander of the Shuttle Columbia who passed away with the rest of his crew on re-entry. This will be the sixth flight of the Cygnus, including the failed mission back in 2014, and demonstration flight in 2013. And this will be the second flight of the enhanced version, It means the vehicle will be larger, able to carry more cargo, and it'll have bigger circular solar panels, supplying more power to the craft. The Antares rocket it usually uses is still being recertified, so they'll be flying atop an Atlas V once more. NASA's InSight Mars lander officially missed its chance to launch this year on a mission to Mars. Usually this means that a vehicle is scrapped and the mission is canceled. However, by a stroke of good fortune, NASA has rescued it from the garbage bin. InSight is now slated for a 2018 launch, the next closest approach with the Red Planet. Maybe in the meantime, they can upgrade the hardware and switch the launch vehicle to something more powerful and less costly. A reusable Falcon Heavy, perhaps? China has announced plans to launch a second space station, Tiangong-2, later this year. It'll be larger than the first prototype, and the name, translating to Heavenly Palace, will essentially act as a continued proof of concept of their space station technology. Tiangong-3 is already in the planning phase, and it seems China is interested in constructing something larger than a single-module laboratory capable of accommodating more than one docking vessel at a time. 
Scott Kelly safely returned to Earth recently. He's acclimating to Earth gravity and doing well. Once the experimental data NASA is looking to collect from him and his twin brother is complete, he has said that he will be leaving the space agency. A pretty high note to close out a career as an astronaut. 340 straight days in space and providing a stepping stone towards Mars. The next manned Soyuz launch is scheduled for March 18th. This will be the second half of Expedition 47, and the crew will transfer over to Expedition 48 halfway through their stay, as is custom aboard the ISS. Best of luck to the three brave pioneers. That's all we've got for you this time. For more on space and space-related matters, follow NASA, ESA, Roscosmos, SpaceX, Orbital ATK, Insight, the Chinese Space Agency, and Scott Kelly on Twitter, Facebook, and other social media. Until next time, this is Smokescale Aquatus saying keep looking up, space fans. For what it's worth is going to be at Salt Lake Comic Con's fan experience. Check it out March 24th, 25th, and 26th at the Salt Palace Convention Center or at fanx.forwhatitsworth.com. No, not ZomboCom. You're listening to For What It's Worth, brought to you by For What It's Worth Delivery Service. When you need someone to handle your package, think For What It's Worth. Sending parcels is hard. Make it easy on yourself. Let our experts take care of your box. Our delicate touch is so refined and practiced, you'll come to love letting us take care of your valuable bits. Our drivers are trained to come right to your front door, or to the back if that's your thing, and you can trust they'll never enter, unless you give permission, of course. You'll be so impressed, you'll want to take delivery from us again and again and again. Having trouble with your junk? No problem. We also specialize in garbage removal. And we almost never mix up when we're supposed to give or take. For what it's worth delivery service. You'll take it, and you'll like it. Get ready now. Here comes the secret message. 23, 5, 23, 9, 12, 12, 6, 9, 12, 12, 25, 15, 21, 18, 19, 12, 15, 20. Got it? Good. And welcome back. And we were just wrapping up our topic about loss and grieving. Can we get done with this? I want to get to the happy stuff. You want to be happy again, Tugs? <laughs> no, just a little bit more misery, okay? No, Trump will be president and then we'll have to grieve again. Oh my gosh, that would be like... <laughs> All right, uh, enough politics. gets lost ever. Okay, anywho. <laughs> so. so, final thoughts on the topic. It's that time. So let's turn it over to Shiny Hoarder and ask him. Oh, well, um, I, I, kind of my final thoughts really are to continue off what we just talked about is, you know, if you haven't thought about what's going to happen or what could happen, um, if you were to die tomorrow, that's probably a good idea just so you can kind of get an idea of what would happen to your loved ones, your job, you know, because we really don't think about that and nobody likes to think about it. The second thing I think would be more fandom um, related where when loss happens, um, how the fandom grieves as, as a whole, it's really in your best interest to shy away from trying to jump into that, 
you know, jumping into the spotlight of the the situation and making it about you instead of about what actually happened in the loss of this this person. Um, so you're better off to, you know, you can emotionally reflect, but don't claim the light. Um, that it's like, oh, I'm feeling so horrible, feel bad for me because, you know, this I was close to this person because I met them twice, you know, <laughs> as opposed to the, the family and trying to overshadow the people that were closest to that individual and things like that. I agree with you 100%. Yeah, put I agree that, with you 200%. Put that, oh, I agree with you 300%. Well, I only agreed with you twice. Oh, darn it. 400%. Well... Thank you so much for, for, you know, coming and talking a little bit about, you know, grief. And it's been, it's been, uh, it's been a difficult topic for me. And it, I know that it's probably been a difficult topic for some of you listeners to, to talk about or to, to listen. So thank you so much for, for bearing with us. And, you know, if you've lost somebody recently, our heart, goes out to you and um thank you so yeah <laughs> and, and with that, feel free to reach and out sing. Um, just kidding it, if you need someone to talk to uh I, i'm sure you could send for what it's worth an email and they would gladly listen definitely definitely i actually read my emails because i don't have my computer read them to me but i will actually read them yes what oh Oh, okay. My emails don't talk. <laughs> I, I only count to four, so. <laughs> That's right, you do. All right, all right. Let's 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 move right into the thing. We're mixing it up today. We're... Oh. All right. We've pulled the zipper down. It's time for the mailbag. The mailbag! Read the show notes! The, the mailbag! I need help with the zipper. It won't go down. Why are you wearing pants? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do this. You, um, you people. No, you people have sent us some emails. As wonderful listeners you are. And we've been holding them. And so now it's time to pull them out of the mailbag. So here we go. Kicking things off is Commander Wolf. He says... Hello there, cast and guest of For What It's Worth. My name is Commander Wolf, or you can call me by my first name, Russell, if it's easier for you. Anyway, I'm a newcomer, and I've cracked down to be a furry as of January 2, 2016. So that means you get this. Yay, you're a uh, new! I'm blind. That was so bright. <laughs> I've been in the brony fandom, and don't get me wrong. I just didn't like it there as much there because there wasn't enough communication or love in that community as there has been in the furry community. I started to take up writing stories again because of it, since I've not heard anything motivational to write. I actually came across you guys when I was looking for furry-related podcasts and also heard a certain person I know but not on a first-name basis, but have talked to him. Hmm. So that's pretty much it. Now for the question. How does one find a way to draw a better artwork that looks just as amazing as most artwork in the fandom? What would be the best kind of art site that would work with a Google Chromebook and where would someone learn to draw much better? P.S. Although Ruth's geography may not be the best, for example, Wisconsin, Texas, there is a Texas, Wisconsin. There's also a place called Fuking Austria, but that may be irrelevant. Hmm. <laughs> well, I want to go to that. That sounds like a place where foxes live. That's in, well, that's probably where I should be. That's Is that where foxes come from? 
Probably. Oh, no, there's a shortage in cookies there. Ooh. <laughs> I need the cookies. They're not in bed with a the cookie there. Uh, the, the answer to your question, uh, how do you find a way to draw better that looks as amazing as every other piece of art in the fandom? Let me, get, let, me let you in on the secret. Practice, the secret practice, is this. Practice. There's nothing out there that's just going to make you instantly good. There's no Photoshop filter that's going to make you get skill. You've just got to do what Ruth said. Practice a million times. Practice every day. Lady Gaga writes one song every day. You get to draw one sketch every day. And after a long time, you will also be good at art. That's how it is. Also, I would uh, I would look on YouTube for different techniques, especially when where shading is involved, because that's what most people get wrong. Yep. YouTube, built into Google Chromebook. Try it today. Hey, all. I just wanted to email in when I heard that you were talking about being jaded in the fandom. I wanted to share my feelings as it still pulls me on... It still pulls on me from time to time. My main connection to furries in the past has been through a furry podcast. I was and am a fan of, which is another furry podca- podcast. 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 That's a, that that sounds like an interesting <laughs> thing. Hey, you know what, Tugs? You I can, have an idea. Yeah. Continue. <laughs> After listening to... After listening to them for months and months, I finally got the courage to email them. Big mistake. I felt humiliated by how they commented on my email. What was supposed to be a... um, I don't know what that says. It says what was supposed to be a satirical email. Oh, satirical email. I am so sorry. Um, What was supposed to be a satirical email was read and commented on as if I were was serious. They were rude, really rude, and felt and I felt crushed and embarrassed. They looked up, I looked up to those people. I felt so bad that I considered changing my persona and name. Did I overreact? I think so. But that didn't change how I felt. I stopped listening to them for a while because I felt so embarrassed. Eventually, I got over it, mostly, and now I regularly listen to them again. This jaded feeling hasn't ever really gone away and made me realize that furries are people too. Spark the dragon. P.S. My name is Spark and not Sparks. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so you know as far as with your with your email that sent in that you sent in i'm sure that i probably have offended one of our listeners and um you know sometimes when you read something versus when somebody comes to you and says says things to you in person um it doesn't translate um sometimes especially when it comes to the internet Whenever you get into a disagreement with somebody, um, sometimes I would recommend, uh, and I understand that you can't do that all the time if you've had something happen. I think it would be great if you would have sent a follow-up email maybe to them. And communication communication is always key to, um, to helping you get through 
you know, some of those feelings that you're going through. You should have sent them something into them and said, hey, I didn't mean it that way. And I, I I'm saying this because I do that all the time and I let people walk all over me sometimes. You have to ask for what you need. You know, I think uh, the my, my two cents real quick on that um, email is just, you know, when, when you're not being treated correctly or you're not getting what you need to do, uh, whether it is where you work, a job, uh, maybe it's a function within a group or maybe it's within tight-knit friends, whether it be a type of communication, uh, how they're treating you, jokes that they're saying that aren't really funny, you know, whatever it is, at some point, even if it's not your strong suit to do so, you have to ask for what you need. And if not ask, you have to demand certain things, you know, because it's like if you don't set the boundaries, someone else will and you may not like them. Here, I actually wrote Spark back uh, and I said, did I miss your name up or did Rue? It was you, Rue. Uh, also, I said, we may tease your emails here, but we always respect your time in writing them. And then this is my final part of the response. And we'll still judge you. That's the for what it's worth promise. <laughs> now I need to go play Bioshock. We'll still judge you because that's the for what it's worth promise. This is a very interesting email. This one is from Zeke. He says, hey, Fulwa, newer listener, longtime furry. I figured I would try to write you to suggest the to- a topic of conversation. I'm amongst a movement of people who have been around since the analog and digital first age began transhumanists the short rundown of transhumanism is that it is a belief that through the use of technology science and medicine we can trigger the next step in mankind's evolution on our terms many like to think that transhumanism is simply sci-fi but it's actually a lot more grounded in real life than most would like to believe today we have created brain computer interfaces bcis that allow people with missing limbs to walk around and function again through prosthetics that use our brains in time, who's to say that we can't get prosthetic organs, eyeballs, or bodies? That's where the fandom can really benefit. The implications that transhumanism carries for furries is remarkable. What's the use of a fursuit if you could just be your fursona? In time, it could be entirely possible to have an entire body built the way you want that reacts to the world around us just like a current body sinks to the power of BCIs. It's not a stretch to think we could slap on some rainbow-colored fur on a robotic anthro frame, stuff a brain in there, and so for some furries to feel like they're their personas, this provides them the chance to really become them both emotionally and physically. And I wouldn't worry about dying anytime soon either. Medical and cybernetic breakthroughs are almost guaranteed to let us live longer lives, letting us change aspects of our bodies we don't like at any time, and replace old parts as they wear down. If for any reason you didn't identify with your body anymore, you could simply upgrade to what you'd like to be, kangaroo today or maybe a dragon. It sounds like fiction, and I don't claim to know what the future holds, but I'm excited for what it may entail. I wanted to ask what Fulwa thinks about the topic of transhumanism and its ideals. Would you become your persona if you were able to? Do you think there would be a social backlash to transhumanist furries? Would you feel comfortable in a world where anyone could become anything? Maybe I'm rambling. I appreciate your time and hope to hear from you all soon. See you after the singularity. Zeke the Raccoon. I love raccoons. <laughs> you people. You, I, you love raccoons just as much as I love cookies. So I asked Nuka if he wanted this for one of his segments. And unfortunately, it is not one of his areas of expertise. So he was not able to do a segment on this. But I still thought it was an interesting question. I actually like that email a lot. But mm-hmm. I'll let you respond first because you read it. I, I have thought about this a lot. And I have gone back and forth on it. Some days I'm like... Yes, if I could be the cel-shaded cartoon style of my character, probably. If I wound up looking like the fantastic Mr. Fox kind of realistic, probably not. 
But then again, I think that also is aligned with like I prefer to see a tunier style fursuit than I do the really, really feral looking ones. That's just my preference. I don't have anything against feral fursuits otherwise. I do think that there would be a significant social backlash. Uh, not only from just like the people are like, well, you're playing God, but there would also just, we can only push social boundaries so much at a time. And that is like not even pushing it. That's just like saying fuck social and just doing something completely different. Well, it's exactly like those people that you see on the, the internet or, you know, right. Uh, the lizard man, the lizard man that's cut his tongue down the center and, you know, put horns in himself, you know, have modified his body there. I'm sorry if somebody's listening to this and and you've done this, but unfortunately the social norm is is people are looking at those people as freaks. They are freaks. They would have been in a sideshow a hundred years ago. Exactly. They would be in a sideshow. And um, it's not in the social norm. And so therefore if you were to be a a walking dragon or you are probably going to be treated as a poorly. Freak. You'll be treated poorly. So, that, with that being said, I have to finish my point guys. Come on. <laughs> come on. Yeah, I'm waiting for you to finish that. I know. Um, that being said, if you're willing to put up with that and you will go through a world of emotions. Cool. I think that you should go for it. If that's what you really, really want. Hopefully you can find a really good group of open-minded people and stay in safer areas because you do run a certain risk and go for it. I think that'd be cool. The only question that I have, the only concern maybe, as far as brain interfaces and all this stuff, it becomes very, very close to down and out in the Magic Kingdom. I don't know personally if we could do away with death and like you can back up your brain or move it or your essence of who you are. That changes the entire fundamental dynamic of life and death. And I, I I, don't know if I can answer that in a short podcast type style answer. I would have to give it way more thought. So maybe I'll bring it up in another episode, like in two seasons. Okay. So first off, I absolutely love, love, love this email and this question. Um, it kind of brings me back to a lot of TED Talks on just kind of all the breakthroughs that we're having. They may not be massive scale and they're only in like single labs that these breakthroughs are happening, but we are having breakthroughs. Well, let's say let's jump into fantasy for a little bit because I don't know if you've noticed culturally, but a lot of fantasy things have actually played out um, and faster than we've realized. Um, I agree with the social issue that yes, there would be a social issue, but let's say you could create an animal to be an exact, you know, the exact specifications that you want, almost fantasy-like, and then you could transfer your conscious, consciousness into this animal. Um, I don't think there would be as much social backlash as we might think, depending on how cute or how fearsome the animal looks. And the main reason why is because usually the only reason we get backlash is because of fear of what people don't know. So if people become aware of this, then it it can actually become a social norm fairly quickly, depending on the dynamic of what it is. Um, Especially if you're not causing death, so to speak. Um, But, uh, you know, it's like from a fantasy perspective, it's, you know, if we think of the movie Avatar, where they're playing these other characters and transferring their brain consciousness into these other bodies that have been created, um, we're not that far off, except for in the sense that we can't, we can, we, the only piece of the body that we haven't been able to 100% copy and make it work correctly is the brain. And there's a variety of reasons because of that, of why that is. But let's say that wasn't a restriction. I think that the idea of being able to be whatever animal, or maybe to even feel 
the dynamics of what that animal feels and the different emotions that play out, um, even if it's a, a human humanistic type animal that's been created versus just all animal instincts and you were to downgrade your brain, whatever it is, you know, if you had these options, you'd be able to experience a lot more. And in a lot of ways, I think people would actually get a lot more insight, which then you could also compare to the elven race in writing and in fiction and world building, where it's like you have these, a lot of times in the elven race, there's been different ways that it's been written that they never sleep. And so it's like, if you never slept and you had 24 hours a day, let's say we still were on a 24 hour day, what would you do with that extra time if you never had to sleep? It's like living two lifetimes in one life of what we currently do, you know, and that begs the question then exactly what Tug said is like, if we could live forever, I don't know how I feel about that. And to me, it's like, you know, I don't know if I'd mind, but then some days I'm like, you know what, I imagine in several years, I'm going to be tired and maybe I'm just want to be done. <laughs> so, you know, that's, that's the one caveat to that. So I, it is a really cool idea. And I think it might be better received than we think it would be. Uh, the main reason why people don't receive it well is, is fear. Well, as far as my feelings on the, the end of that email is just, you know, it would be awesome. It would. I mean, if if it was socially, like, accepted or if it, like what Lyric said, it could quickly become into a social norm. Um, I mean, not that I'm afraid of what other people think. It's just there's all these crazy people <laughs> that want to, like, I don't know. I could You'd have nuts. You would have nuts that Absolutely. would want to go, like put all those people down and then you would have to like battle for rights of you know is this person a human do they get the basic human rights or are they an animal in which they are treated as such i mean it would be a whole another can of worms and um do they get worms rights i would think all that, of that would change if i had the capability to be able to change and then change back whenever I wanted. This isn't Animorphs. Yes, I'm talking <laughs> your about Animorphs. Is bursting out of your pants. Oh my gosh, too. Animorphs is so epic and awesome. Oh, we did this Great episode. Up. <laughs> we did this episode. But yeah, that would have been that would be awesome if I was able to change just like how I changed with the fursuit. You know, then yeah, that would be awesome. You go to space, find the Andalites, come back and let me know how that works out. I will give you that blue cube so you can touch it too. There's a name for that cube. <laughs> I don't know what it's called. I, I read The Hex something. I don't know. I'm looking it up right now. Oh my goodness. <laughs> the Escafil Brace device. Yourself. Escafil device. The Exafil. Escafil. <sighs> so let's uh, push this button again. And it's time for the, the game. game. Are you ready for your the game? Oh dear. <laughs> oh no. You get an odd news quiz and Rue has the directions fresh off the press. You are about to be asked how much you follow the news and prove how aware of the world you are. You cannot use any assistance in answering these questions. Each correct answer gets you one meaningless point. An incorrect answer costs you one shiny. <laughs> I'll take it back, but okay. You ready? <laughs> I guess. We'll see. Okay. Question one. April Williams, a pole dancing instructor, has taken to pole dancing in what new non-club location? Uh, 
the fact that this was in the news, I couldn't tell you, but I, I can only guess uh, her house. I don't know. The answer is underwater. Hmm. Very Cirque-like. So, question two. What drove the Mad Hatter to a s- insanity? I'm pretty sure that's uh, based off what he did. Um, there's a there's a chemical in the process that makes him go mad. What you, you got to be more specific. I can't be more specific right now. <laughs> Hold on, the judges. Need, I'll take. The, I can't. Yeah, the judges must discuss this. Are we going to pass him or fail him? I don't think he's specific enough. He's not specific enough. But if you could. Uh... <laughs> We don't have time. Uh, <laughs> who's got the time? Not him. You going to give him the answer? It is mercury poison. Yeah. That's associated what. with Mad Hatter disease. Go ahead and take question three, Rue. Question three. What superhero was caught on film robbing, robbing a store in... Plano. Plano, Texas... On March 12th, 2016. Uh, Which superhero was caught on film robbing a store? Well, it was shortly after the movie, so I don't, I don't know. Could be Deadpool. I have no idea. Uh, it's Captain America. That wouldn't have known. Well, yeah, he, need, he really needed his fix. Okay, ready for question four? Because this is going to be amazing. How many calories are in 100 grams of mustard? Oh, my God gosh well you wouldn't know because after you had that much you'd throw it (laughs) i don't know a billion and one and a half and three quarters Uh, i need a clean cup clean cup 66 (laughs) we're moving down now clean cup (laughs) number five a dutch designer created a dildo in 2015, which holds the memories of a loved one. This is horrible. Oh my gosh. Speaking of death. <laughs> <laughs> what form are these memories held in? A, a cast. Did you say, what did you say he created? A dildo. He casted a dildo? It's a special dildo that holds the memories of your loved one. And he's asking, what form are these memories held in? So think of it. Okay, so it's a dildo. Okay? No, 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 no. Don't give him help. Uh, Just take a guess. Uh, my brain's not in this place. It's okay that your brain is not in this place. You would never have gotten this. <laughs> I, I actually got this. I had this image of that it was cremated and then you mixed the cremation. Well, uh, why didn't you say that? Yeah, it has an urn that holds 21 grams of your loved one's ashes inside. I just can't think of what he would have mixed it with to make the... No, there's a little tiny urn inside the dildo. Oh, gotcha. That's what he did. Okay. (laughs) That's how I feel. (laughs) Question six. Astoria, Oregon, recently deployed so-called inflatable dancers to fend off sea lions from a local port dock. What are these inflatable dancers in reality? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm guessing they probably use uh, those inflatable things that catch your eye in front of like cell phone stores and things like that. The that fins? Dance and wave. Are you talking about the fins? I don't know what they're called. Well, I've never bought them to know what they're called. 
Well, I'm not sure what you're describing to me. Are you describing a fin to me or something else? I'm, um, I don't know. Is so, it a guy waving an arrow? No, it's like these little tube things that air shoots up and then they wave back and forth. You are correct. The correct answer is a wacky waving inflatable tube arm man. <laughs> wow, I got one. Question seven. <laughs> what government requires labels to show if mustard is in a product due to allergy concerns? FDA? Uh, you said, wait, how specific do we have to be a here? A government. What government requires? Would it would be F- FDA. That's not a government. No, you're right. It's not. I don't know. This has got to be. A, it's a country, isn't it? Yeah. Mm, not ours, right? Maybe. I don't know. I don't I know. have no idea. The European Union. I wouldn't have known that. I've never been there. Well, I have a more important question for you, which is question eight. According to the Huffington Post, what trend took off in 2015 for men in the world of clothing for the bedroom? What? According to the Huffington Post, what trend took off in 2015 for men in the world of clothing for the bedroom? Your yeah, guess? I guess. I don't even have a guess on that one. You know how I don't, I just wear t-shirts and shorts and the occasional hoodie. Like my, my wardrobe. And let me say woot shirts of that. That's my wardrobe. All right, Rue, what's the answer? It's men's lingerie. That sounds like a waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Wow. He's just he just wants to get right down to it. Well, sure, I get that. I get that. Here, I'll send you a link while we're playing the game. Rue has the next question. What was recently found on sleeves in I can't I can't say it. I can't. <laughs> Calgary? <laughs> Calgary, Alberta convenience store so what was found on shelves in a calgary convenience store you are very you're being very specific with that question this is lyric i I, i'm guessing like drugs of some kind got left there judges need to confer um but what uh, type of okay so if you say drugs well yeah that's not a fair answer because you could get tylenol i don't know heroin well guess one of the it's got to be something either heroin or meth they're the so, same thing in this world. Okay. Fine. In Canada, they're the same thing. I was going to have him guess between those two. No, just give him the, give him the uh, answer. Fine. I was just figuring that if something got left at a convenience store that was worth being one of his questions, it has to be something ridiculous. So that's about as ridiculous as I can get. So you could have also have said um, $600,000. Oh, yeah, because I know exactly what I'm... I thought you were big in the heroin trade in Canada. No, I, I'm big in different trade. Oh, that's right. Cap and trade. All right, question, All right. so you have two points. Um, you need to get one point to tie for the highest of the season. Oh, question 10. And if you fail me, you fail me. But you could get an imaginary point here if you react correctly. Where is the National Mustard Museum? Oh, I've, I've talked about this before. Let's see. Um... I want to say that this is also in the state that there's they're known for cheese has. Is it in Wisconsin? Judges must confer. Okay. So it is in Wisconsin, but 
You need to be more specific. How specific are we talking? Give us the city. Uh, Middleton? You're cheating. You're cheating, aren't no, you? No, I have actually talked about this. <laughs> believe it or not. Because uh, my friend Doug, who's obsessed with the Green Bay Packers, they stopped there. That is a correct answer. I'm done with the show. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I have a thing for mustard. Housekeeping. No. Housekeeping. It's time for housekeeping. Ah, uh, I feel so fancy when we do this bit. <laughs> we want to thank everyone that joined us for this special episode with Margaret Cho. Thank you for supporting our episode here at PBS. <laughs> Why are you doing that again? <laughs> if you'd like the privilege of paying for public radio. <laughs> oh my God. So no, really though. Thank you if you wrote it for that. Thanks to Maverick and Sid for writing in for this episode. We read your emails. See? We do, sometimes. We do. Just kidding. We read everybody's email. So, we also have something more exciting to talk about. I need a shorter drum roll. <laughs> wow. Oh, my goodness. I'm done. I'm not even going to, like, say what it was. We're going to laundry during that. Yeah. <laughs> now that you're back from your dog walk, we're going to FanX, which is the other Salt Lake Comic Con event. So there's the big one in the fall, and then they have the quote-unquote intimate one in the spring. And the intimate one is the one we're going to. Woohoo! So we're going to get to interview people again, like Barbara Eden, maybe. She's not there, but someone of that level of infamy. So, if you happen to be in Salt Lake City, or if you want to come out, please come to Fanex and join us. Join us at Fanex. Next item, comment on our website, because we don't say it every episode or anything. Comment on our website, because our site only has one post with comments on it, so now we're starting to look a little sad. Get with the times. Comment on a site so people think other people go there. Hey, her. Hey, what? Remember. And remember, donate to the Lyric Screen Mischief Fund, and together we can make the fandom great again. Oh my. <laughs> We're not cheese. <laughs> Mustard, don't let's be silly. Yes. Oh my but goodness. The game's over, so you still don't get your point. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, no, no, I hear the little bird that's tweeting. Make sure that you um, tweet. Wow. And <laughs> retweet. <laughs> Yes. It's so bad, I know. <laughs> the things I come up with in my mind. <laughs> so please Sorry, I'm, tell I'm us how here. crazy Rue is. And yeah, you hear those tweets? Yeah, I'm, I'm hearing them. <laughs> They're coming. <laughs> um, I did find out, by the way, that our Facebook address is facebook.com slash for what it's worth. Who knew? Rue, who maintains it, didn't know. <laughs> I knew. You're a butt. All right, next, we want to thank our supporting cast. We want to thank Firebreath for our lovely announcer work. He's so good. And for being generally Canadian. We also <laughs> like Koru. He's awesome, and he does our cable stuff. All right, now you can thank Lyric. And thank you, Lyric. There you oh, go. that's it? That's all I get? <laughs> I was like, the last line, I was like, I guess I got to turn in my, you know, tranquility and peacefulness. Because you should turn in your tranquility. We had lays of flowers on that. Uh, thank you. 
<laughs> Do you need to plug anything? He already plugged something. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I plugged in my phone. No, um, <clears throat> uh, well, if you want to get a hold of me, um, Kuhn Lyric is my handle on Twitter. Um, I am try to be fairly active on there. I usually am a workaholic, so I work so much. So, uh, But if you shoot me a message um, and you just, if you say that you're talking to me because of this episode, then I'll probably pay more attention to it. Oh my, so this is Rue. No, (laughs) we have another episode coming up. Should we talk about it? So, it's Fanex. Fansex is the next episode. So what do we want to hear from our viewers? Do we want to hear We are broadcasting in 4K, but we have listeners. So, Uh, yeah. Listeners. Uh, Our next episode is the Fanex special, but afterward... We are going to talk about badges. So, what should be on a badge at a convention? What shouldn't be on a badge at a convention? Do you even care about badges? Are badges not a thing for you? Or are they a big deal to you? We want to know. So, write us at... Cast at forwhatitsworth.com We don't take your comments any other way. Yep, that is correct. Because it's too hard to keep track. Exactly, exactly. So if you if you tweet, do I hear a Twitter? Do I hear the birds? Okay. Yes, we ignore them. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> this oh, is Tugs. So, <laughs> this is Rue. And this is Lyric. And this is For, for, what, what, it's for worth. what It's Worth. Damn it, damn it. You know how this works. Ah, oh, crap. The end. <laughs> <laughs>